Yazare. Nyawezo. And salam. Salam. Yes, I'm Harik for 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 what's the word? Hello. Yes, uh, I'm Harik for hello. Also, um, Tigrania for hello, I believe. Okay. Yes, that's because of today's episode. Well, I don't think it's something we'd be doing because salam is quite easy to say, unlike uh, some other languages where <laughs> I would really struggle to do. Oh no, you know, you would say when it comes to the harder languages. Why would you? Why would you even do that to me? Be- because because you're a nice guy. All right, so Menelik, let's dive right into him. Okay. Sounds weird to say it that way. Yeah, that is a dude. <laughs> dude. Let's dive right into the topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, great. So Menelik II um, was, was his title, or well, okay, I guess it was his name, oh. but um, you know how in many cultures when a king is appointed, he maybe picks up the name of a previous monarch who yeah. held the same position. Huh. Sounds like something the Ashantis do. Yeah, the Ashantis do that. Mm-hmm. I think your people also do that. They do? Yeah, I think it. so. Yeah, one of your current rulers, Togbu Afede, is something. Afe- so that yeah. means, yeah, he picked up a That's previous... That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, so... Um, Menelik mm-hmm. is... The second. The second. The first Menelik is actually the... Um, <clears throat> You remember in the in the um, Axum episode uh-huh. where we spoke up we spoke about the whole thing with the Ark of Covenant. Oh yeah. And the Queen of Sheba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, the Queen of Sheba having a son with Solomon, according yeah. to the Kebra Negast, the yep. Axumites mm-hmm. yeah, records. The record of the kids. Yes. Um, so according to that, the, that son was the one who founded the kingdom empire, mm-hmm. and his name was Menelik. Okay. So he was the first emperor, and his name was Menelik the first. Okay. Now, whether or not you believe entirely this story as a fact or a fact or fact mixed with um, some bits of fiction, mm-hmm. um, it has a huge significance for the Ethiopians and a very um huge significance for for um the royal family of uh, the former ethiopian empire okay. um because they believed they were descended from solomon uh, so that um dynasty is actually called the solomonic dynasty oh wow yes so they all be, they believe that they are descendants of menelik the first who was descended from Solomon and the, yes, the Queen of Sheba. Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. Um, so the Solomonic dynasty actually goes all the way from those ancient times to the last emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie. Uh, yeah, um, I hear his name a lot though. Yeah, yeah, that's because he um, he played a huge role in um, the whole Pan Africanism movement that started out with uh, the likes of Nkrumah and things. So oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah. highly, highly Selassie. Yes, highly Selassie. I hope the pronunciation is good. But let's go. Let's go. Right. So Menelik the second. Yes, Menelik the second. So what was his name before he called himself Menelik the second? Um, well, uh, what do you call it? In the Ethiopian <laughs> Orthodox Orthodox Church, uh-huh. he was baptized as Sahle Mer. <clears throat> He was baptized as Sahle Mariam. Sahle Mariam. Yeah, Sahle Mariam. Sahle Mariam. I think you're putting too much in this. <laughs> Sahle. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Sahar Mariam. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> right. Um so um yeah, he was that was his original name. Mm-hmm. And he was born in 1844. Oh. To um highly um Malik Haile Malakot. Malakot. Yes, um that was his father's name and his um mother well his mother's name I saw varying identities for it. Uh, but it seems that that's because his mother was actually a um a servant girl. Oh. Yes, his father another case of the Shaka, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is very different from Shaka's case. All right. So, um when his when his mother gave birth to him, his father wasn't actually um yet a king. Oh, okay. So, Menelik Menelik's father, mm-hmm. after some time after Menelik is born, would become the king of a kingdom known as Shoa. Shoa. Right. Um now Shoa was actually um it it was a kingdom located in Ethiopia. However, it was a kingdom that was under the empire of Ethiopia. Okay. So the um Ethiopian kings at that time were called the Negus. Yes, Negus. <laughs> yes, the Negus. Oh, is Negus the actual pronunciation? Um, from what I was seeing, there were varying pronunciations, primarily because the word is originates from the Ge'ez language, okay. which is dead. Oh. Um, well, not dead, dead. Um, it's but still the liturgical language of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Okay. Yes. Um, but then it's so... There, there are some alternate pronunciations in um, Amharic and Tigrinian, okay. two of the languages that descended from Ge'ez. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the pronunciations I came across was the Negus. Negus. Yes. I mean, that sounds, that sounds less like the N word. So let's go with Negus. <laughs> right. So that's some white guy listening to this. That's not smile too much. Yes. <laughs> Negus. Um, right. So he was called, uh, they are called the Negus. Mm-hmm. And so Menelik's father eventually became the Negus of Shoa. And he was under, like all the other kings, the regional kings, mm-hmm. they were under, they were under the, um, what do you call them? The emperor. So the emperor. Yes, they were under the emperor, mm-hmm. the title of the emperor. If you remember, or if you have listened to the Axum episodes, you yep. remember that the emperor position was actually one that was styled as a king of kings. Of kings, I remember. Yes. So um, this is one of the kings that was under yes. the king of kings. Yes. So the emperor was... Um, Negus Negast. Negus Negast. Yes, the king of kings. He's above all the other kings. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, in around this point in time, the Empire of Ethiopia was actually not in a very good state. Okay. The, the kings that were, the emperors that were coming up were not very, um, I don't know if I should use the word competent, but that, there's no other word to use. Um, in the sense that the empress, um, some of the emperors that came along were more like um, puppet empress that were being used by the various that were being used by the various neguses for their own gain. Um, eventually, one emperor rose to power by the name Teodros II. Ooh. Yes, I must I must pause here and give a shout out to Ethiopian names. I I love Ethiopian names. <laughs> like I don't know their, their names are just so okay. So if there are any Ethiopian women. This is your chance. 
you're an idiot <coughs> right um so so Teodros. yes Teodros the second was uh he rose to power and mm-hmm. um, at this point in time Menlik was 11 years old oh and his father goes to war with the Nikus Nagas Teodros the second and he loses but okay. his so, father dies of an illness during the course of the war so when Teodros defeats the Shoah uh-huh. um he captures uh, Menelik and takes him to a fortress in okay. his capital. Okay. Uh, I was, well, I don't know if I say his capital, but it was a, a fortress in um in the what do you call it? Um the region from where Teodros ruled, uh, Magdala. Okay. That was the name of the place where he took him. So he visited the sins of the father upon the child. Um, sort of, but it was more like he wanted to make sure that the person he had his own ruler there. So he took uh, Menelik away and he left um, uh, someone in charge, uh, Menelik's uncle. He left Menelik's uncle in charge. Okay. Now, <laughs> Um, Menlik's uncle also goes to war and then he loses and we get rid of him. Okay. And then Teodros puts um, someone who is not of royal blood oh. on the throne. And so out of that family. Yeah, so it's like, no, no, I'm done with you guys. Uh-huh. Go somewhere else. And then he puts him on the throne. And that guy also ends up rebelling. Wow. <laughs> so the show, I just... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it, it was strange. They can't be tamed, huh? They can't be tamed. Oh, well, let's go on. This is getting interesting. Yeah. So, um, that, at all this while, Menelik is, um, Growing imprisoned up. in, um, the fortress. But I must clarify, in a post in the, on the, the social media, you notice I put the imprisoned in quotes. Yes. While he was restricted from really going anywhere, he was treated very well as royalty, the royalty he is. Oh, so it was more like house arrest. More like house arrest. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, so it was good. Um, Teodros was good to him. He actually even gave him his daughter to marry. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, around 10 years after he was kidnapped, uh, captured. So that's mm-hmm. when he was around 21. 21. Menelik would escape, oh. um, the fortress with the help of some of his, uh, folks over there. Yes. And he'd go to Shoah. And when he, <clears throat> when he heads over to Shoah, mm-hmm. um, at this point in time, the commoner who has also rebelled against Teodros is in power. And then when the people hear that Menelik is coming, they're all like, I do see ya. So, <laughs> so they just the guy, switched loyalties. Yeah, they, they expected to, he, the guy wanted to um, sort of go at it with Menelik to retain the, uh-huh. the throne of Shaw. But then the people but, had made up their minds. Yeah, because Menelik is a rightful heir to the throne. Good God. So they all just ditched him and then Menelik became the king. Okay. And if the we, funny thing... Uh-huh. You were going to say something? I was going to say, if we end the episode right here, I've learned three things. The Shoah will always rebel. Yeah. <laughs> That's one. Number two, you can take the boy out of Shoah, but you can't you take can the Shoah out of the boy. <laughs> and number three, the Shoah, they are faithful to the original yeah, royal family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so strange. Because, you, I mean, if you, if you look at it, there was this whole, you know, the whole Solomonic dynasty thing. Mm-hmm. It was powerful. Yeah. And Menlik's family were believed to be descended from that line. Oh, so it was... Yeah, okay. it's, it's it's something else. You don't you don't you don't you know play with that. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So now he assumes power. Yes. So as now, the niggers of Shiva. Yes. 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 Um. So when he does, he actually also, <laughs> um, declares himself as emperor. Hey, of, of his <laughs> idea. <laughs> Wait, of no. Ethiopia. Yes, of Ethiopia. Men so it's like a direct challenge. 
Yes. To Teodros. Yes. Who has been so good to him. Who has been so good to him. But um, Menelik actually didn't do anything about it. Oh. So one of the reasons people suggest that Menelik, even though he had ambitions, didn't do anything about it, was the fact that he respected Teodros. Okay. Makes sense. So he was like, I am Negus of Shewa and of Ethiopia, but um, I'll just sit this one out. Okay. Now, um... <clears throat> I thought I was going to go into like a whole, you know, Captain America Civil War episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> not yet. It didn't so, take that in. <laughs> but eventually, um, Teodros would, uh, he'd, he'd die. Things were not going well for Ethiopia at that point in time. But keep in mind also, at this point in time, Ethiopia was fractured internally. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was trying to, um, he was fighting battles both inside Ethiopia and, and outside, outside Ethiopia. So he didn't even really have time to deal with Menelik and his you know, oh, that's why man declares and nothing will happen to him. Yes, exactly. I wonder, did he run with his wife or he left her? Oh, he abandoned her. Right, I left that part out. He, <laughs> he abandoned her. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this all just ended up divorcing thanks to that. Oh, he abandoned well, her. Well, okay. Yeah, so um, Teodros was trying to establish a relationship with the Brits. Everything, it didn't go very well. He kidnapped a bunch of um, Brits. Hey. And he imprisoned them. Then the Brits got mad and they were like, Oh, first of all, um, can I just give a shout out to Britain? It's never African history without the Brits being involved. It, I mean, <laughs> they are, the Brits always British. show up. If this was a class attendance, they have like perfect attendance. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Britain is always involved. They didn't even colonize Ethiopia, but they are involved in the story. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Britain. Shout anyway, to- so Teodros dies and then, um, when when Teodros dies, the three claimants to the throne come up. Three? Yes. Um, that's the three most powerful people in Ethiopia at the time of Teodros' death. Okay. So one of them is Menelik, of course. Oh, yes. One of them is a guy who repelled, um, who, who, who fought on the side of the Brits, and the other is some other guy who was ruling another kingdom. Mm-hmm. But so at this point in time, Menelik doesn't do anything. You know, <laughs> Menelik recognizes that he's not strong enough to actually take the throne so he calls himself emperor but he's just sitting in his corner fighting his own wars and doing his own things Uh, so he's picking the battles he knows he can win precisely so the other two go to war and Mm -hmm. one wins and one of the reasons he wins is that the Brits gave him a whole bunch of weapons that's one of the reasons Menelik is like you know let me just pause on this and he he becomes emperor Mm -hmm. and he's um, he gets the title of Johannes the fourth Yes, and he's also, just like Teodros, another very competent leader. Oh, okay. So he's a traitor, but he's competent. So essentially, Johannes has a, a very um, frosty relationship with um, Menelik, who is mm-hmm. king of Shewa at this point in time. An emperor, in his mind. In his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets to a point where Johannes thinks he needs to put Menelik in line. So he goes to decide to, he, he marches his army down to Shewa to fight with Menelik. Mm-hmm. And Menelik also marches his army to meet him, but then they both realize that, you know, this is not a very smart thing to do. Because if they both fight this war, it would, it would, de- even though, um, Johannes would win eventually, it'd be very costly to both sides and oh. it would badly damage Johannes. Okay. So they come to, uh, have some, they have some sort of agreement, uh, between the two of them. And in that agreement, you, uh, Menelik agrees to drop, stop calling himself and profit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, um, so Johannes essentially gives him um, a high degree of eton- autonomy. So really? he's able to do whatever he wants to some extent. Huh. And so he bluffs his way to freedom. Sort of. And he, he, 
at this point in time, one of the reasons why Johannes went to fight with him was that Menelik, while styling himself as emperor, was also developing relationships with um, other kingdoms and European states as well. Okay. Yeah, so um, Johannes didn't like that at all. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Menelik uh, ends up uh, angering um, Johannes with all of that, and then they have that. But even then, he, he still, Menelik still ends up having... Um, at least one war with one of the other Negus that's under Johannes as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, he was, he was a tough nut to crack yes, in that sense. I mean, and um, yeah, and he he fights wars to expand the borders of Shoah. Okay. Uh, most um, of his wars are also successful in that sense, and he he builds up weapons. He he stockpiles weapons. He makes deals and trades with like the Italians mm-hmm. and things and. Um, the Russians and one thing about uh, mainly the Italians though um, so eventually Johannes the fourth in uh, he he loses he well not that he loses he he's fighting a war against um, at this point in time there was a revolution in Sudan the Mahdist revolution and then um, there's this army and then they go to war with Ethiopia and there's the Ethiopian Mahdist war Okay. So there's the people in Sudan and the people in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. And Johannes was leading Ethiopia at this point in time, but uh, he dies during the war. Uh, I think he gets shot at a point during the war. He dies. Oh. And Johannes had anointed himself an heir to Aye. the throne. Okay. Um, his son. Obviously. So, <laughs> yes. And then Menelik, all this while, keep in mind, Menelik has been stockpiling weapons. He has been expanding Shoah. Okay. And he's been getting powerful. So he's just been waiting for the right moment. I'm telling you. So yeah. once Johannes is dead, Menelik is like, I, it's now I'm emperor. Now. <laughs> yeah, yes. he's, yeah. Now, now I'm emperor. And he called himself that until he finally became one. Exactly. Say it till you make it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, of course, the uh, anointed heir wasn't just going to be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But Menelik was the most powerful person at this point in time, and he got more nobles to support his okay. cause. So now this is where the real fun stuff begins. Okay, so this guy has basically been an orator that got himself to the top. Yep. Miney guy. Well, so now let's go. Let's go into the fun stuff. So now he's an emperor. Mm-hmm. What's his first act? Because um, I mean, I don't think the war with Sudan is resolved, is it? So he go. He actually makes peace with them. Oh, he talks his way out of it again. Well, he was not interested in that war. Oh, oh wow! He had his eyes set on bigger things. I'm guessing. Yep. It, to him, uh, I believe to him that war was sort of Johannes's war. Yeah. Keep in mind, he didn't. He didn't really like Johannes. Okay, I mean, makes sense. Yeah. So. um he he lets go of the Mahdist war and then he focuses rather on expanding Ethiopia's borders. You remember I told you it was not the current borders. Yeah. So Menelik is like, I right, it's time for war. Ah. And <clears throat> he starts to do that. Um but one of the things he, he does or in order to continue his expansion is build relationships with um European nations. Okay. And one of those European nations is Russia. Yeah, you mentioned Italy, yes. Russia. Yes, you remember I I, I told you in during the Axum Axum episode. The yeah. Axum episode was a lesson on what 
the 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 some uh, decisions. Yes, yes, the weight yeah. of decisions. The weight of decisions. And there was because of this relationship with Russia that they were able to. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the reasons he's able to develop a good relationship with Russia is the fact that they're both Orthodox Christians. Yeah, you mentioned Menelik, that. Yeah, he was he's skilled at you know getting getting into partnerships and making them you know. Like you know, I scratch it back. I scratch it back. You, you scratch, scratch mine. mine. Yeah. So he he did that really well with them. And but the tricky thing was he did have such a relationship with the Italians too. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons he had these relationships with the European powers was to get weapons. Okay. Weapons. More weapons means more power. Yeah. So the Italians had been giving him weapons for some time now, even before he became emperor. Mm-hmm. Right. So when he becomes emperor, he has a lot of these Italian weapons and Russian weapons. And not just that, he actually gets um, advices from Russia too. Wow. Yeah. So he, he goes all the way. He goes mm-hmm. all the way. Um, and he, he sets off expanding the kingdom. However, the, in the year of his ascension to the throne, mm-hmm. right, he signed a deal with um, the Italians. Okay. The Treaty of Wuchale. And what's what's the details of this? This treaty is actually what will lead them to war. Oh. Okay, so what exactly is in this treaty? So, in this treaty, because Menelik was actually not interested in fighting wars with outside powers, he was interested in expanding Ethiopia's borders and solidifying his power. Mm-hmm. He decided to, you know... Be cozy with the um, Italians who at this point in time were um, in control of parts of modern day Eritrea. Okay. So Menelik signed an agreement with them on where the borders should be. So in the agreement, Menelik uh, says that he wouldn't, um, this, this, this place belongs to it, uh, Italy, Italy, this place belongs to Italy, blah, 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 blah. blah. So he won't touch those places. <clears throat> Exactly. So Italy recognizes that, okay, so Ethiopia also be, 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 begins my English today. <laughs> Ethiopia also begins from here and here and here and here. Uh-huh. Um, but the funny thing about this treaty was there were two versions of the treaty. Wait, what? Yeah. Well, they speak different languages. Italians, Italian, okay. um, and um, Menelik Amharic. Okay. I did not say Ethiopians Amharic because Ethiopia, like many African countries, has a multitude of languages. Definitely. Yes, Amharic was the language of the um, royal families in the Solomonic dynasty. Okay. Yeah. So Menelik spoke um, so Amharic. Somehow the terms changed in translation. Yes. So in the Italian version, right, Italy essentially um, made Menelik sign of his sign away his kingdom um stating that um ethiopia would conduct foreign relations only through italy essentially making ethiopia italy's puppet state essentially yeah. meaning that italy was in charge of, of ethiopia. ethiopia however in the amharic version of the text which was written in the ge'ez script i might add mm-hmm. it was there was no there was no such mention okay so yes. italy tried to one up yeah and when Menelik find out, he was like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> not at all. Because keep in mind, once more, this was someone who was focused on his borders. Yes. Yeah. Expanding and Expanding them precisely. Well, yeah. And so he was like, no, this is, this is not going to happen. So he renounced the treaty 
and then Italy was pissed, like, no, don't do this. And Ethiopia, um, Menelik was like, I right, sure. So what are you going to do about it? Fight me? And then they said, yeah. Yeah, we'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, they, they said they'd fight him and then they declare war. Mm-hmm. Um, so they declare war in, um, what's he called? Um, uh, Menelik. At this point in time, at this uh, point in time, they don't they don't just jump right into it. You know, the relationship gets frosty, and yeah, like I said, the Italians were had taken over Eritrea at this point, so yeah. that's where they had armies too. Okay, so that's their base. Yes, so the they they declare war and then they invade Ethiopia. But luckily, he stockpiled enough weapons to be able to fight back. Um, that part comes in later. Oh, okay. So, but before they invade Ethiopia, there's also a rebellion in Eritrea and then they have to put it down and they're like, all right, so now we go to Ethiopia and then boom, the first Italo-Ethiopian war begins. All right. Yes. So, um, in this war, there was, there are a couple of, um, battles. I think the Italians lose one first one and then they go on a streak of successes and they're marching towards Addis Ababa. Okay. Which Menelik had used as his capital. His capital. Okay, so he used Addis Ababa as his capital. Yes, Menelik is known to be the person who um, made Addis Ababa the heart of Ethiopia. Okay. Yeah, so they start marching towards Menelik's capital. Mm-hmm. And then, so at this point in time, Menelik had sent out a war cry through all of Ethiopia, all of his kingdoms. And he, he asked all the, the ruling Negus to bring up men of fighting age okay. to come and fight this war mm-hmm. for the sovereignty of Ethiopia. You know, it makes a very big deal because it's a very big deal. Of course. Yeah. So they all come together and <laughs> so at this point in time, uh-huh. everyone outside of Ethiopia is like, I mean, stupid black people. I know. They're about to lose. <laughs> they're about to lose badly. Yeah. They're going to get their asses war. But the Ethiopians know better. So the funny thing is, when the um, Italians march into Ethiopia, their number is about about twenty thousand. Okay. Right. So Menelik goes. He you know he he sends out the rallying cry throughout Ethiopia for them to bring the war warriors, warriors to him. Yeah. So how many people respond? Over a hundred thousand people respond to Menelik's Whoa. rallying cry. So that's more than five. Five to one, the ratio. Yeah. Over five to one ratio. Some numbers have it as high as almost 10 to one ratio. Whoa. Now, let's make matters even worse for the Italians. Now, the Italians had, you know, rifles and things, you uh-huh. know, European army. With good. So they thought they were going to fight a bunch of spear-wielding people. Yeah. Because Ethiopian um, regiments, some of them had spears and, you know, shields and uh-huh. horses and stuff like that. <laughs> so the Italians, yeah, we're just going to shoot, shoot. Like, yeah. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeknownst to them, this guy Menelik was actually having a crap ton of weapons. Of course. I mean, even he's been bef- gathering them. Yeah, even before he, he became Emperor of Ethiopia, he had been stockpiling weapons. Yes. Oh, since he declared himself. Yeah. <laughs> he had been stockpiling weapons and he had an excellent relationship with Russia. Uh-huh. And he was getting really good weapons from them. Because keep in mind, at this point in time, Russia is like 10 times more powerful than Italy. Well, I guess today Russia is still like 10 times so, more yeah. powerful than yeah. Italy. <laughs> but you get the, you get the image. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Menelik had really good weapons. Whoa. And the funny thing is, most of his guns or some of his, his guns uh-huh. in the army were more advanced than the Italians' guns. What? So 
he out, they outnumbered the Italians and, out- and they outgunned them. <laughs> them on top of that. This was a there was there was only one way for this to happen. So Menelik, um, the decisive battle happened at a place called Adwa, mm-hmm. and the Italian forces at this point in time their number obviously reduced from the twenty thousand because they lost some in earlier battles. And the Menelik came with his over a hundred thousand people wielding like what better guns than the yep. Italians. Yep, yep. And to make make matters worse for them. You there is one thing you don't do you don't do in wars you don't you don't you don't give the other guy the high ground yeah and you don't attack mountainous areas you don't do that now unfortunately for the Italians Menelik met them in quite mountainous area and Menelik got the high ground <laughs> with better weapons <laughs> with better weapons with more men with more men there was only one way this was going to turn out and and I might add um, because uh, there was also. A key player in Menelik's uh, strategy, his wife. Oh, apparently his wife played a key role in um, assisting Menelik throughout his reign. Oh. And um, one of the things she helped him do was to cut off the Italian supply line. Okay. So this is where the Italians are not, you know, they are coming and their supply line has been uh, cut off to a large extent. And um, when the Ethiopians get there first, to they before by the time they get to the Adwa before the battle actually begins, they don't. Their supply lines have um, run a bit thin. Mm-hmm. So the Ethiopians, so the Italian general at this point in time was called Baritieri. Okay. He did not want to attack because he knew they'd lose. Mm-hmm. And he figured, okay, so if we stay here long enough, the Ethiopians will also be like, run. all right, so let's go back. Uh-huh. And then they'll leave the Italians to go back. Ah. And in truth, Menelik probably would have done that because he was just trying to say, stop entering my territory. Yeah. But the Italian government, um, um, their leader at this point in time was a man named Crispy. Crispy? Yes, Crispy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. he, he, was, he, was, he was not liking that idea. Because at this point in time, Ital- Italian nationalism was high. You know, they just yes. domination. Like, oh, yeah. get those colonies, get All those right. colonies. Let's show them who's, who's, who's superior. Yeah, and then he's like, yo, you better fight. So <laughs> Barretero is like, all right, fine. And then he goes to war. And then he loses. Menelik absolutely curb storms him. Decimation. And the funny thing is they lost about the same number of soldiers. Oh. And whereas that accounted for a fraction of, of Menelik's, Menelik's army. army, it accounted for over 60% of Baritieri's army. So, yeah, they, they were absolutely destroyed. And then the Italians just like had to go back go back and <laughs> um they came and then they signed another treaty with Menelik the treaty of Addis Ababa and then Menelik was like you know I'm a nice guy I don't want Eritrea you keep Eritrea oh. I'll focus on what I want this guy is nice actually yeah so he lets them keep it and to be fair it's it's, it's common sense I mean the guy is interested in what he wants and he's not interested in anything else yeah. so he, he lets them keep Eritrea and then he Focuses on expanding his own exactly, borders. and when Menelik actually curb stomps the Italians, the rest of the world is like, "Whoa!" Of course, <laughs> and it was a massive disgrace, a very very big disgrace. I know because you keep in mind at this point in time to the Europeans, right? Mm-hmm. There was a there was a scale on which human beings were rated. Uh-huh. Now, um, at the top of that scale were the um, what do you call them? The white people, of, of course, obviously. the Western, I mean, you, you the, know, yes. the Russians, the Brits, 
they were all sitting at the top, all cozy, and then beneath them were the um, Asians, Obviously. the Far East Asians, the mm-hmm. Chinese, the, the Japanese. Japanese. I mean, they were not as good as the white people, but they were not as bad as, as the, the black yeah. and brown people. And then at the bottom of the food chain is the black and brown people fighting each other with oh, the clubs even, and spears. They didn't even classify. They just put us all together. We, we all at the bottom together. Like yo, the rest. Do, do your thing. Do your thing. Do your thing. And um, yeah, so unfortunately for Italy, they they, they so, proved that yeah, the black people can do something too. Okay. But the funny thing was, Menelik didn't care about any sort of African unity or anything like that. His mind wasn't on that. His mind was on Ethiopia. Ah. Um, I think I think I saw somewhere um, he in an interview one journalist asked him something about proven something about black people and he was like he's he's just ethiopian and trying to do you know <laughs> his, by his kingdom Ethiopia. yeah he's not interested in all of that and so he obviously succeeds in that sense and the the other european countries start to recognize them and then they start to um what do you call it sign treaties with ethiopia to agree on borders oh, wow. stuff like that so they're like ah you know you are the one that got away. Mm-hmm. We can't do anything about it. I mean, we win some, we lose some. <clears throat> win some, lose some, exactly. So they left Ethiopia B, and then Menelik set on a, um, a modernizing course. So he, he went out of his way to um, do a lot of things, introducing um, posts in Ethiopia, telephone, railway. Oh, wow. Yeah, Menelik was, he was, he was a futurist in that sense, and he, he really liked that whole modernization thing i see he wanted to make sure ethiopia didn't lag behind in that sense so he uh-huh. you know he drove forward with all of that kind of stuff i mean it would make sense because someone who won based on having superior and you know current weaponry would not want to be caught lagging behind yeah exactly ever. and how do the current ethiopians perceive him well um yes yes for that part we we've, we've got we've got something for you guys um this is, you know, something that is best answered by an actual Ethiopian. Of course, we have an idea of all of that. Um, we know Menelik um, is not even universally beloved in Ethiopia. Yeah, you mentioned that in the social media post. Yes, but um, yes, yeah, so here goes. In terms of how he's portrayed in school lessons, as far as I remember and know, he's portrayed as a hero in history books. Um, He was the one that led our country to victory in the Battle of Adwa. And um, the fact that we were never colonized is an integral part of our history and our identity. And I don't think that fact can be disputed for the most part. Um, Contextualizing history is super important. And I feel like if we were to compare him to what is defined as um, a good leader today... He might come off as brutal and uncompromising on certain issues. Um, But certain facts I can't dispute are how extremely patriotic he was. And he was also a visionary. Uh, He trusted his wife's opinions. He let her make a lot of decisions. And he founded Addis Ababa, our capital city, with her help. Um, and some would also, I guess, go as far as saying he was the one that actively started Ethiopia's modernization process with his focus on building infrastructures, 
introducing the telephone and things like that. So, I mean, regardless of difference in opinions, his rule was decisive in maintaining our independence. And for that alone, I always, I would always respect and admire him. In terms of the public's opinions of him, I feel like uh, the past year or so, or maybe even two years, there's been this rise of anti-Menelik sentiment and stuff. But I also feel like this blind hatred is not so much about denying his accomplishments um, as it is protesting stories, at least to my knowledge, unconfirmed, of his treatment of certain groups of people during his reign. I feel like those that have read history and have balanced intellectual conversations about the pros and cons of his policies and his ruling can appreciate the complexities that arise from having to govern a country with so many cultures and ways of thinking while fighting off foreign invaders and um, dealing with domestic unrest. That was sort of like a first guest episode. It's not really. Yeah. It, it, it almost counts though. It was, it was brilliantly put. Yeah. So succinctly. Like yeah. it could actually be the entire episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much the entire episode summary because it has all the plus and minuses of um, exactly. Alex and, and uh, the various views of him, everything like just squashed You, you have one. to attempt to mention it, Hilip. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, the lesson time. <laughs> Smooth. Um, the lesson. So time. the lesson in resilience. Yes, the lesson in resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what I pick from it, obviously, is, is the fact that Menelik was, um, he was stubborn. I mean, in that yeah. sense, and obviously, good and minus, uh, plus and minuses in in the stubborn sense. He he was always focused on. Um, what he wanted mm-hmm. and he had a he had a strange um sense of patience and um being calculating enough to go for what he can go for and sit out what he, he and knows. sit out what he yeah what he knows he can't get at that point in time mm-hmm. you know he he waits things or he waited for things to to come his way before, before he, he waited for them that you know, true. and in the face of um, war from what was seen at that time as a European power, and he just he still went, he still went at it. Yeah, and I'm sure this was something he most likely foresaw coming at some point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, he was stockpiling weapons and still keeping his relationships. Exactly, and this whole um, you know, like like the, like what she said, mm-hmm. the the part about. Um, um, not never being colonized, being a huge part of Ethiopian identity. Yeah, yeah, and I think that has contributed to an Ethiopian culture of uh, resilience. Okay. If you look at their history before men, like it, I mean, it looks like they, they have always had that though. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were unconquered for a very long time. Um, but I feel like um, Menelik um, personifies that 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 whole that whole um, um, what's the word state for lack of a better word state of um, resilience and yeah. and determination you know mm-hmm. yeah so that that's that's a lesson from Menelik's story that there is. are a lot of lessons though Menelik is uh he's a very complicated character there are a lot I, I, I think 
all the ones that make it that far have to be complicated. Yeah, yeah, they have to be. They have to be. Human beings are never that simple. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone as grand as Menelik was, yeah, you'd be way more complicated yeah, than the average person. I mean, there will definitely be downsides, but then it doesn't take away from the good. Yeah, it doesn't take away from the good, doesn't take away from his accomplishments either. Mm-hmm. And he was a very massive figure in that sense. So, yes, once again, we are done with another episode of Africa's Untold Stories. Yep. And first double-digit episode, first one with another voice besides the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I didn't actually realize that. I mean... I did not think of that. I mean, this celebration is going well. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. And um, the Battle of Adwa, mm-hmm. um, the Ethiopians celebrated. It's a yearly thing. And uh, apparently, there is going to be a 125th anniversary for that in March. March. I'm the exact date. Yes, 125th yeah since they you know curb stormed the italians well i mean it's a thing to celebrate i would celebrate I know, it. right i know i mean can we go with all <laughs> covid and everything i mean sure feel free i'm breathing down <laughs> <laughs> all right um well that's so the next episode yeah yes we are jumping upwards and left right oh no left left, left. no wait Wait, no, we're in East Africa. If we jump up, we're going to North Africa, yeah? Uh-huh. And then we're going to the left side of North Africa, sort of. So west. So we're still in North Africa, okay. actually. Yeah, so we're jumping up, we're going to North Africa. Okay. Really should have just ended up ju- jumping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to North Africa, and the next episode is going to be a very unique one. Because it's the first time we're going to North Africa. Wow. I yeah. We've done so many Af- <laughs> episodes. <laughs> We've never done North Africa. It's so true. Whoa. Um, okay. There are reasons for that, but we'll get into that in the next episode. So, um, thank you for joining us once more. Yeah. Uh, be sure to follow us on uh, Twitter. Twitter at 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 Africans underscore untold s and on Instagram at Africans untold stories. Yeah. And a huge shout out to our guest today, pseudo guest name yes who who who, who um supplied us with uh these uh, voice notes on uh short notice Beautiful. i really appreciate it thank you very much and thank you all for joining us peace all right shout out to fakir all right we finally yes. mentioned it yes her <laughs> name is fakir the person who helped us our first guest episode yo yes fakir from ethiopia and thank you hope to have more of that yeah all right peace out <laughs>